Hello, and welcome to PDA, Neurodivergence, and the Perpetually Determined Advocate. I am your Perpetually Determined Advocate, Cassandra. This is a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to raising awareness and acceptance of PDA, or Pathological Demand Avoidance, which is a lesser-known part of the autism spectrum. My hope for this podcast is to provide a place of learning and growth, as well as a platform for PDAers, professionals, parents, family members, and others to speak out on this condition, as well as providing resources for those who want to learn more. If you or someone you know would like to come on and use this platform to tell their story, please contact me at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate at gmail.com. Now, let's launch into this episode's topic. We've been working through a series of topics on parenting PDA and the various tips and tricks that can be helpful in approaching changes in parenting style for children with PDA. This episode, I wanted to shift a little and talk about parents specifically. I was part of a really great discussion recently with some other PDA parents uh, about parenting burnout, and I feel like it is important to address that here. While I strive to promote awareness and acceptance of PDA and neurodivergence with this podcast and will continue to do so, I also think it's important to provide a space for parents as well. Parenting burnout is a hard thing to deal with. The idea that raising your children could weigh on you brings with it a fair amount of guilt. Now, please don't misunderstand my words. I would not change my son for anything in the world. I absolutely love the person that he is. And I do not blame him in any way when I feel the burnout. I think that as parents to neurodivergent kiddos, sometimes we feel like we aren't supposed to feel these things, that it's somehow seen as weak or inappropriate to feel the weight in our lives. We have to remember, though, that we are human, and humans experience burnout. The other thing to remember is that even parents to neurotypical children experience burnout. So there's obviously no shame in having a normal human reaction to something that is happening in your life. I would also like to point out that it is not simply the act of parenting a child with PDA or any type of neurodivergence that causes burnout. Parenting a PDAer is about more than just meltdowns. For those of us with younger children, we have to be their advocate. That means going through the process of explaining and informing all new teachers, staff members, professionals, etc. about your child's diagnosis and, more than likely, having to explain what that diagnosis means. I had to do this whenever my son, um, whenever we finally got his IEP in place and we had his ARD meeting, the decision was made for him to change campuses. There was another school in the district that had a um, sort of a small group classroom for uh, children and it was agreed that he needed to go there, but that required me explaining PDA and what that meant to 
the teacher in the new school, the counselor in the new school, and, you know, having to do that. Next year, he changes campuses again because moving from third to fourth grade means that he's going to be going to a new school. So again, we'll have to go through that process of explaining to new people um, that he has this diagnosis and what that diagnosis means. Right, because as PDA parents, we know very often people have no idea what we're talking about when we say our child has pathological demand avoidance, right? Then you have to make sure that their needs are being met at school and reminding faculty and staff about their diagnosis whenever problems arise at school. You know, then there are those of us in places where PDA isn't accepted as a diagnosis by schools since it isn't in the DSM, regardless of whether or not it is a medical diagnosis from a professional. With it not being in the DSM, there's, you know, limitations on what can be done for it. That's when you have this other facet that comes into play, right? Um, This other facet of parenting PDA is over-planning. You plan for every possible outcome, anticipating potential triggers at a location or an event, and having a plan B or an escape route ready that is low in expectations or demands. You know, this is a long and mentally taxing task at times, but one that PDA parents know well. We do it because it means the best experience for our kids, and we want to give them the world, but it can be a fair bit of work. In the event of a meltdown, there's the mental and emotional blow of that. Not the frustration of the child, because we know that they're not doing this on purpose, and obviously we understand that a meltdown is no easier on them than it is on the people around them. It is worse for them. But seeing your child in distress, watching them full of fear and anxiety and utterly out of control at times, and knowing that there is no way for you to fix it, knowing that The only comfort you can give is to try to be the calm in the storm, to, you know, say soothing things, to keep a, you know, a steady, calm tone in your voice, to only be able to do that. I mean, there are times when my son will have a meltdown. I can't reach out and and just pick him up and hold him and try to comfort him the way, you know, I did with my other children because there are times when he's in those meltdowns, he does not want to be touched. And knowing that I can't give him that comfort, that I can't soothe him and calm him, while I know that he's in pain, it's also wears on me knowing that I can't do these things for him, Right? And that's not taking into account the children who are self-harmers, right? Because that kind of meltdown is a different entity altogether. Nothing will break your heart faster than a child who thinks they deserve to be physically punished or abandoned. When you have to hold your child to stop them from scratching or punching themselves, to remind them that they are worthy of love and forgiveness for mistakes... That's a knife in the heart. And then finally, there's also the weight of the aggression and anger. Our children can lash out in those times of fear and anxiety. 
they can say some pretty hurtful things and or become physically aggressive. We know that they can't help it. We know that it isn't them being intentionally hateful. But that doesn't mean that some of those blows, whether literal or metaphorical, don't land. You can still feel the sting. All of that, and I haven't even included psychiatrist appointments, therapy, doctor's appointments, balancing other children if you have them, those children's activities, appointments, and then of course there's going to work, right? There's your job to factor in. So I think it's rather obvious why people feel burnout from time to time. There's a lot to process, and we shouldn't be expected to be these machines capable of taking it all in and going along about our daily lives. Now, again, I am not here complaining about my child, nor am I condoning anyone shaming their child for their neurodivergence. I am a huge supporter of the idea that you can only take care of others if you take care of yourself, though. And that's why I wanted to discuss this. We are much better parents to our kiddos when we are in a good place, mentally and emotionally. When we're stressed at the end of our frayed ropes, we cannot help them through their struggles as well. So in the spirit of encouraging self-care, I would like to offer a few ways that we could help to soothe that burnout and reignite the flame of strength for our PDAers. First, and probably the most obvious, is to go to therapy yourself, right? Having a professional therapist to hash out issues with can be immensely helpful. They can help you to identify some areas you're struggling with more than others and suggest some things that you could try to offset those. There are also certified counselors that can provide some of the same services. However, I know that for some people, therapy is not an option. Either it's not available, or your insurance doesn't cover it, or you just don't have the money to pay for it. It's the reality of the world we live in. In this case, try looking for support groups that may meet near you, whether it's a parenting group um, a women's group, whatever it is, um, obviously having something PDA specific is going to be difficult to find. Um, but there may be autism support groups, right? So just try to find some sort of support group nearby. Um, there, these are low cost options, sometimes no cost options that allow you to talk with others who may be able to relate to what you're experiencing and listen to you. And sometimes just having a person who can relate and understand or who can just listen to what you're talking about can remove some of that weight that you feel. The important thing is talking and not holding it inside. When you bottle things up and pretend that everything is okay, you eventually break and you cause some collateral damage. You cannot heal from something unless you allow yourself to feel it. So feel it. Cry it out. It does not make you less of a person or a parent. Another thing that you can do to fight burnout is simply taking some time for yourself. 
This can come in a lot of ways. For those of us with little time, just going for a massage or a mani-pedi or a quiet treat can be cathartic. For example, we live close to a beach. This morning, I drove over there and walked along the shoreline for a couple of hours. It was quiet except for the sound of the birds and the waves. I knew that I didn't have anywhere to be or anything to do. It was a break from the hectic schedule of life and a time to just breathe. It didn't cost me anything, and it took an immense weight off of me because I was able to relax and decompress. I was able to let go of my worry and the constantly running mind for just a little while. Meditation can also be quite helpful for quieting your mind. Um, YouTube is rich with guided meditations for those like me who have trouble quieting their thoughts. And it helps to keep you from thinking about you know, what to cook for dinner or how many things are left on your to-do list when you're supposed to be focusing on relaxing and unwinding and quieting your mind. <laughs> for those with the means to do so, taking short trips can also be really helpful. Whether that's going to stay with a friend or family member for the night, getting a hotel room, or going on a weekend trip, just getting outside of the same four walls of your house can help you to shift that focus to you and getting you back in a place to be the phenomenal parent we all strive to be. A change of scenery can often be good to, as a good way to trigger a change of pace mentally and emotionally. Hobbies are also a good way to de-stress. I crochet a lot. <laughs> I have a cabinet full of yarn, and I am constantly making something, usually more than one thing at a time. I have about three projects going right now. Um, it's, it's just it's soothing for me. The repetitive motion and the creation of something really helps tremendously with my anxiety. Crafting in, in various ways can be therapeutic as well, whether that's crocheting or knitting, painting, sculpting, building things, whatever it is. All of these things give you something else to focus on so you aren't sitting there stressing over the same things over and over. Uh, for some people, Getting into, you know, working out or CrossFit is another way to sort of process that excess emotion. You can sort of get it out physically. And for some people, that's a really great option for working through things. Reading is another helpful way to process. That can be reading a book for pleasure to dive into the world within that book for a bit. Um, or it can be reading a book to help you understand and process your emotions, right? Either way, you're tending to yourself. I have loads of books on PDA, how to, you know, recognize PDA, what the best processes for handling PDA are. Um, I don't have quite as many on self-care. I spent years thinking that I had to be strong for everyone else and I had to deal with my own emotions alone. I told everyone else they needed to open up and talk to people and they could come to me and lean on me, but I never did the same for myself. Right? It was a dangerous and unhealthy cycle that I am finally learning how to break, 
But that's why I am such a supporter of self-care these days. Ignoring your own mental, emotional, and physical needs is damaging, and it eventually makes you less capable of caring for those you love with empathy and compassion. And when you're applying that empathy and compassion to yourself, remember to prioritize your worries. If you don't have time to put everything away and keep your house in a constant state of immaculate glory, don't beat yourself up over it. Clutter will not kill you. Folding that laundry tomorrow will not trigger the apocalypse. And a few extra pairs of shoes or toys in the living room won't get you in trouble. If you feel too exhausted to do more than just feed everyone, that's okay. Only doing the minimum in your times of stress is not failure, it's survival. We need to learn to apply the same ideas to ourselves that we do for our loved ones. If you have a bad day, that's all right. If you make a mistake, you can try again. No one expects you to be perfect, and yet some of us hold ourselves to impossibly high standards. We simply have to learn to be more forgiving of ourselves. These kids are watching us, and if we beat ourselves up over every little thing, they will do the same thing to themselves. Show them how to love, not judge. Next time, we actually have uh, an interview with Dr. Jennifer Corey of Iceberg Therapy Services in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We're going to be discussing selective mutism and autism and a few other aspects of neurodivergence. So be sure to tune in for that. I am also still working on gathering information and um, talking to police and fire department personnel for the episode on calling 911 in the event of an emergency with a PDA or uh, that one's requiring a little bit more homework than I normally um, would do because I have to get all of the outside sources perspectives and know the procedure for handling these things. So those are both coming up in the next couple of episodes. As always, you can email me with any questions, comments, constructive criticism, or concerns at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate at gmail.com. You can also find the podcast on social media. Just search PDA Neurodivergence and the Perpetually Determined Advocate on Facebook or Instagram. And until next time, remember, in a world where you can be anything, be kind.